and welcome to The Runs, the podcast in which we talk about runs of comic books. Uh, I'm your host, Ryan Alexander Tanner. With me today is cartoonist Terry Blaz, and we are going to discuss the launch of Generation X, which abruptly turns into the launch of Generation Next, which we'll talk more about in just a minute. Uh, Our guest this week, as I said, is Terry Blaz. Terry Blass is a comics artist and writer. I'm going to talk about you like you're not here. I'm, just, uh, I'm going to look look you in the eyes as I do it. Terry Blass, I'm going to start saying it to the guest, actually. It's less weird. Terry Blass, you are a comics artist and writer, uh, the creator of the viral hit You Say Latino, which was followed up by You Say, do you say Latinx or Latinx? Either one works. Okay. That's, I've gotten Latin, really, Latinx. Latinx. Yeah, I've gotten Latinx. stumbled on that one for a while, so. Uh, also, Deadweight for Oni, Hotel Dare for Kaboom, Lifetime Passes for Abrams, and uh, you recently wrote Reptile for Marvel Comics. So you're you're exploding with quality comic books. <laughs> I guess. I mean, exploding <laughs> with with um, tiredness. <laughs> well, that's the, that's the dream, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good problem to have. And you're actually a really funny guest to me because I, I used to do a pop culture podcast, which you were a frequent guest on. So I've talked with you for hours about yeah. Saved by the Bell and RuPaul's Drag Race. That's right. And I realized when I asked you to do this show, we've met through being comic stars in Portland, but I don't know how I feel like I've never even talked to you about comics before. <laughs> right. Yeah. Probably very minimally. We've talked about like TV. <laughs> yeah. Lots of TVs. So we're going to talk today about the launch of Generation X, which um, very quickly runs into the Age of Apocalypse crossover. So it becomes Generation Next. So Generation X in its uh, pitch was a spiritual follow-up to the New Mutants, which was a legacy sequel to the X-Men. The X-Men, the beginning in the 60s, was about a group of teenagers who were learning how to use their powers. They were mutants, which has been kind of a shifting allegory over the years. Um, and then it got to a point where none of them were teenagers or really out of school. So New Mutants came out. I think that was the early 80s. And it was sort That's of right. the, the next generation of teenagers at the school. And then that became X-Force in 1991, uh, which became like a militant group of kind of uh, old, you know, early 20s angry mutants. So then Generation X came along, launched in 1994 to kind of fill that gap. And it was uh, launched, co-created by Scott Lobdell, who took over X-Men after Chris Claremont in 1992, which was it's one of those things of like, who could replace Chris Claremont? And then where did Scott Lobdell come from? I, I don't know. I Nobody knows. And I yeah. looked it up and I was like, I have no idea how this guy landed this gig. Uh, so I'm not sure how or why I was hoping you would know. He had sort of a lukewarm and long run on the X books. Although I'd say the Age of Apocalypse run was a pretty big hit. Kind of yeah. created a model for a crossover that's become very common now. We'll talk about that in a minute. Anyway, and then he wrote the film uh, Happy Death Day. Oh, he did? Yeah, he did. Yeah. I actually really like that movie. <laughs> it's a fun movie. Yeah. yeah. I don't know about the sequel, he, but did he write the sequel? No, but okay. I saw them both on airplanes. Ah. Okay. Well, yeah. And then the the artist on this, who we'll probably talk more about than the writer, if if you feel how I do about it. So I I spent 10 minutes trying to get to the bottom of this last night. Is it Chris Bocello? 
But I've heard Bachalo. I've heard I've heard a lot of different pronunciations. I don't really know the crap. So I just say Bachalo. Yeah, I was saying Bacalo. I think it's Bacello, like Bacello is that's the best answer I could find. Um, so anyway, he used the illustrator on this in collaboration with Mark Buckingham, which I think is very relevant. We'll talk about that. But so Chris Bachelot came from like an early 90s Vertigo artist. Uh, he did the Death miniseries for Neil Gaiman, also with Mark Buckingham, which visually is I, I can't get over it to this day. So uh, and he ends up working on Generation X for about three years with fill-in artists. And then Mark Buckingham is the inker on this. And that's one thing I want to talk about. I think this is one of the more like synergistic penciler inker collaborations. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he's a British cartoonist. He worked on Marvel Man slash Miracle Man with Neil Gaiman. He inked the Death miniseries. Um, and then he went on to draw most of Fables. Ah, okay. So those are the folks who worked on this. Like I said, it's a weird launch. It goes for four issues. And then I don't think this was planned, but right around when this was on issue four, the Age of Apocalypse storyline happened. This had never happened before, I don't think, where a, a time paradox wipes out the universe and all the X-Men comics are taking place in a parallel universe, which is, I want to say, post-apocalyptic, but actually... It's the opposite of that, because Apocalypse was not ever prevented from doing what he wants to do by Professor X. So it's like yeah. this horrible dystopian world and all these things are different. And so all the titles had different, you know, uh, X-Men became Astonishing X-Men and uh, X-Factor became Factor X and Generation X became Generation Next. X, so, yeah. yeah. So while mostly it was like, oh, now Wolverine's got one hand and all these sort of surprises. This one was weird because we were just getting to know these characters and then we see these uh, parallel universe versions of them for four yeah. issues. So that's what we're going to talk. That lasted for four issues before everything kind of went went back. Uh, so this makes it a really kind of unique and strange launch to discuss because you get four issues of the series and then four issues of this weird parallel. And that's where we cut it off. So that's what we'll be talking about today. So. To begin the discussion, so you picked this. This was it was between this or Gen thirteen, and uh, we went with this. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Gen thirteen too. Like those, both these titles came out around. I guess just like the perfect time for me. I was a teenager, and you know, in ninety four, I was fourteen. Um, so I saw there was like a weird preview issue or something that I think Wizard made with a whole bunch of sketches of the characters that mm -hmm. were going to be in generation X. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is this Edward Scissorhands, Tim Burton looking thing happening over here? And I kind of loved it. So I was excited to read it and I was already obsessed with X-Men. And so knowing that like some of the X-Men characters were going to be on this, like Jubilee and whatnot, I was like, okay, cool. I can check this out. And I remember buying the first several issues at the comic shop and like being really excited about it. So yeah, I think that I just have had Generation X on the my on my mind because um, I wrote an essay for the Marvel Voices blog about um, skin. Oh, yeah, because he was one of the first, if not the first, like Latino superhero that I saw in Marvel Comics. Mm -hmm. Not that he was the first, but he just he was the first one I encountered. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, too, because uh, one thing that a lot of things struck me about this run, we'll get into it, but was the um, very thin characterization of everyone. <laughs> uh -huh. And it's like, other than being like, 
hey, I'm from the barrio. That's like his entire, he has hey, like 10 lines. Hey, Ch- hey Chica. Yeah. Hey, amigo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We, we'll get there. Okay, so yeah, we'll maybe un- <laughs> unpack that over time. But it was one of those things where it was like, you're trying, but also, but also X-Men is kind of founded on a, once Claremont took over, it kind of became about an international super team yeah. of characters with uh, kind of exaggerated dialects. <laughs> so this is sort of continuing that tradition. It's, it's funny you say that because most of the notes I made as I read through the, this, like reread through the first four and the first four generation next were mostly all about the dialogue. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you also have Banshee who's like, I cannot pick that up. <laughs> Yeah, and they have they, the way that they write some of the words that uh, Chamber says. I, I it's it's supposed to be the word girl, but he it's written G E L, so I read it as gel. Gel, and then it's, and I'm like, oh, he's saying girl. It's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> sometimes I think that works when you write in how they're speaking, and then sometimes I think it just really doesn't. Yeah, it's funny. I've been, um, you know, uh, one thing that comes up through this is I've been working on a biography of Muhammad Ali. And I've actually been working with a linguistic specialist to really like get the dialect right. And it seems like the best solution usually is just to write it like uh, how you would write anyone's yeah. stuff. <laughs> like if there's really specific words. Because that, I think maybe you know, that someone who's reading it, they're going to read it kind of in their head and their voice maybe. And so otherwise it's just going to probably distract from their reading experience, I guess, is the thought. But who knows? Yeah, to me, the worst one ever is the character of Rogue, who her written dialect oh. has always been so yeah. uh, off-putting to me. She calls everyone sugar. <clears throat> yeah. Do you notice in the first issue of Generation X that um, Paige, she says something about like, um, A-H-M, uh-huh. and then it's dot, 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 and she corrects herself. <laughs> I didn't catch she that. She says, I am. It was very much like... Um, it was very much Kylie Sonique love, not loving her twang and then like embracing it later in, in, in all stars. It's like, no, that's just who you are. It's OK. Like she's trying, but she has this thing again. Oh, I don't want to sound like I'm from the country. So it's, I don't know. It's in reverse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of stuff in this that you couldn't do now. Uh, so this came out of a X-Men crossover, like the Phalanx something or other. The Phalanx Covenant, where they yeah. introduced all these characters. and. Um, one of the reasons that I was excited for the age of apocalypse stuff, other than just like, Oh, this is a cool alternate, whatever is because when I read the fans covenant, one of my favorite characters who was, you know, as you read, you're like, Oh, this is someone who's set up to be on the generation X team was the character blink. And then in the failings covenant series, she died. Mm -hmm. And in age of apocalypse, she was like on the cover of the Mm X-Men comic. And I was like, what? So, yeah. So that was kind of cool. And I think that's sort of how, you know, that's how they get you. Um, and then, of course, now she's in the X-Men comics today because of all the resurrection stuff they can do. But, oh, um, spoilers. I haven't gotten to that part yet. Oh, well, yeah, just it's she's there. I mean, they're all there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that was one of the reasons that the Age of Apocalypse stuff kind of worked. Um, but so one thing I don't know, because I haven't read that crossover. Well, Banshee is such a weird choice for headmaster in general because he's always been like a C-list kind of a lame character. Yeah, I want to know why they like Emma, who's never historically been a character that like I was that I loved, uh, which I but I know people 
definitely do. Like she was an instructor for like, wasn't it the Hellions or whatever? And this like, well, that was my question too, is because I know Emma mostly from Morrison's run. I think he made her really interesting, but at what point does she flip from being a villain? That I totally don't know. I I would assume some ex nerd is going to like, come is they're coming for us right now someone's head is exploding yeah. while they um, listen to this <laughs> right um yeah but i think that because she w- led like the hellions and a bunch of them died mm-hmm. i think that's kind of what turned her around a little bit was that right now, yeah now she like it has this second chance to i think redeem herself with these kids so that kind of i think is what started i don't know maybe this like different trajectory for her character Okay. Um, and then I do think there was an Emma Frost like solo series comic where you meet like her brother and her other siblings and and that delved into her character a little bit more and kind of retconned some of her backstory to make her more of a uh, not a hero, but like a non-villain. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. I like long term. One of the things I like about X-Men is sort of the uh, ambiguity that it becomes really not about good and evil, that it's yeah. more about like a marginalized peoples and how they kind of function. Well, then I think you'll really like the current X-Men stuff that's happening in the comics. Well, I read the Hox Pox and that's on the, I think it, yeah. before too long, that's going to be on. Well, if you read the that, then you know, then you know about the resurrection stuff. I know about the resurrection stuff, but I didn't yeah. know specifically Blink came back. She's in, she's in like some other, she's in like the sword comic or something. She's oh, not okay. X-Men. Yeah. So did you collect this long-term this year? Is this something you bought every month? I did. I feel like I purchased, if I go through my boxes and whatnot, I feel like I probably have the first at least 12, 13 issues. Mm-hmm. And then I would get it like on and off from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and was this pretty, uh, we're lifers comic. I, one thing I'm really interested in, like what series made people like a lifer? Was this one of those for you or what was the impact on it? Yeah. I, I mean, if, if I have to think about my lifer series, they were probably, they were X-Men, Generation X and Gen 13. Hmm. Um, maybe also like um, some of the cliffhanger stuff that, they mm-hmm. did because mm-hmm. that was like Joe, Joe Marrero was doing X-Men for a while in the nineties. And then he went over to cliffhanger and did battle chasers and J Scott Campbell was doing gen 13 and then went over and did danger girl at cliffhanger. And, you know, Umberto Ramos was doing comics for a while and then did his crimson series. Crimson, yeah. So those, those comics I think are the ones that like really hooked me in. Okay. Um, crimson was the only one that kept coming out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. I mean, I only needed three or four issues to be like, okay. <laughs> um, and then I would just draw my own, you know, stuff, whatever. But um, yeah, those along with X-Men and Generation X were probably the ones. Okay. And for me personally, I remember this series. Uh, to me, the series is all about the art. Like I could give or take, you could just remove all the text and I would probably enjoy it even more actually. But Chris, Bocello and Mark Buckingham together because his style changes pretty drastically once he switches inkers and actually over uh, the course of Generation X, it, uh, Chrissy B. Yeah, Chrissy B. We'll call him <laughs> okay. Chrissy B. From here on out to drag name, Buckers. drag name. Yeah, um, yeah, I think so too. It's almost like uh, this is a really terrible comparison, but it's like when you read um, like Volume One of Scott Pilgrim, and then mm-hmm. you and then you like start making your way through all of it, and you're like. Oh, okay. I see how that his style has now solidified. Yeah. By like issue or by volume four or five. I feel like by by the end of his run on Generation X, that's kind of still how he draws today. Yeah. You know? And I, I like him still. I think he's a pretty 
quality illustrator, but this early stuff is the visually these are like some of my favorite comics ever, like the death yeah. mini series. And my understanding too is that that second death mini series, uh, Chrissy B actually uh didn't finish a lot of it, and a lot of it's just Mark Buckingham. So I think oh. they were actually really I think it's more collaborative than your standard pencil inker pairing yeah. because there's a lot of there's a lot of like um like white out splatter and like uh I really oh. like the swirls on the fingers like everyone's got these spirals oh, for their knuckles and yeah, for, yeah. and yeah, uh, yeah. there's just so much visual flair and I like Chrissy B forever I think he's still pretty good but this era of him I like so much more than anything he's done since it's definitely um how do I say this? Like when I read it, I was like, oh, this doesn't look like an X-Men comic. Yeah. It looks like and a Vertigo cool. series. Yeah. yeah. And so that's like, that was, I think, appealing to me in, in a way where before I probably would have been like, oh, this doesn't look like an X-Men comic, but like knowing that it was the, some characters that were familiar and then you see them in this different kind of style. That was really cool to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I agree. I think that the art in this is really cool, especially in those first several issues. And the tone of it too, which again, I think is achieved more by the art than the writing, but it's got kind of like a, it's got a real like cool adolescent vibe, kind of like a body horror. Like everyone's got some sort of like physicality that's like uncomfortable or weird. Yeah. Just skin, skin and chamber and penance. Like the three of them, you're like, Oh, all right. Yeah. You don't want to go out in public. I get it. <laughs> yeah. Your skin's like coming off or extending yeah. or like uh, exploding. Yeah, I mean, what do you feel it would have been like if it had just been another artist that draws, you know, like the X-Men comics, the way they usually look. Yeah. Well, there's a, there's a promo image that's by um, Brian Hitch for this series. Oh. And it's just totally unappealing, <laughs> even though, I mean, Brian oh. Hitch hadn't hit his, you know, he yeah. kind of with the ultimates got where he was going. He was good before that, but he kind of stepped up a lot around that time. Huh. So like he, Brian Hitch draws, uh, what is it? X-Men prime, the like return. They did X-Men alpha that went to age of apocalypse. Oh, okay. And then when they yeah, came yeah. back, it was X-Men prime and prime. Uh, it's less visually appealing, but anyway, or also this was a series where I read this run, like sat down to read it like five years ago. I was like, I'm going to read all those. And it's, it's one of those series that like the second there's a fill in artist, I just never read it again. I'm like, <laughs> I have zero interest in this if anyone else is drawing it. Yeah, I understand. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, I think it's all really to me, this is all about the art and like the uh, the generation next. Uh, there was like those mini trades that are like gold. It's like a solid gold cover oh, like okay. gold foil covers of each of the like four issue miniseries you know they were all collected oh in. right 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 so there's a generation next uh trade and i've bought that thing like three times that's one of those things like when i move i get rid of it and then i'll like if i ever Why see it i'll like later. yeah i bought it like for five dollars you know several times huh. yeah that's sort of the overview i mean do you have any general notes before we go line by line no i don't think so Okay. I just, yeah, I mean, I'll have stuff to say as we go along. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, we open with uh, Paige Guthrie and Jubilee. And yeah, Paige pulls her skin off, which is, I think, such a cool ability. It's such a weird. Again, but does she pull her, like, this is already, I have a question. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because <laughs> being able to rip your skin off and having like a different body underneath it or whatever, cool. But like, 
sometimes it shows her just ripping her skin off and she's still wearing like the same clothes. Yeah. And then sometimes she just rips her whole like, like, oh, you ripped your uniform off as yeah. if it were also skin. Yeah, I so, don't know. <laughs> I So, yeah, I'm just going to let that go. <laughs> but so we meet those. Yeah, it's not clearly defined. It's a fun. Well, we'll get to that, too. But the, the scope of her powers is sort of being explored over these. And then we meet M. And then so spoilers. Right. But because you've read further along. In these, oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. So because we meet penance at the end of this issue. Well, so. We'll get to that. <laughs> already, already the whole Penance M stuff. It's like <laughs> Penance M and M plate, right? Uh-huh. Those are like yep. the so we meet all those characters in this one. Basically, we're just meeting everyone. There's the danger room sequence. Uh danger terrarium, I guess. Yeah, it's like a grotto terrarium. Uh we meet Penance, the vil or M plate is the villain. He yeah. eats bone marrow. Again, sort of a body horror weird. Um yeah. Chain like a teeth in his hand. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And that, yeah, he's got a, uh, it's a combination of, uh, of, uh, what is that? Stigmata. And uh, it's like stigmata mm-hmm. dentata. He's got. Yeah, yeah that's it. <laughs> yeah. And then Chamber, I loved that visual and that character of he, he blew his face off when his powers manifested. Yeah. That's such That's a so cool. weird, cool. Yeah. And then that's <clears throat> different in the age of apocalypse too, but we'll get to that. Yeah. And we meet skin and Everett too. They like crash through that terrarium into like where everyone else is. When yeah. Like and training and sink. Yeah. Everett sink. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, He's mostly thing. called Everett, right? Like, yeah, his, I think so. His code name is very rarely applied to him for some reason. Yeah. They mention it every once in a while, but in relation to like, Hey, can you sync your power to this or whatever? So, and his ability is essentially that he can copy any power of anyone he's in proximity with. Right. Yeah. He can base, he's basically rogue, but he doesn't have to touch anyone. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and it doesn't hurt the person. Yeah, yeah. It's like less, a less tragic version of rogue. Right. And then skin has like, He's basically someone who gained a lot of weight and then lost it all, but right. a it superpower because has... <laughs> he's got yep. like extra feet of skin. He's basically like a low level uh, Mr. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. He can yeah. Like, stretch. He's like, like they kind of usually only show him like stretching his like hands mm-hmm. um, and arms. There's one gross scene in the generation next that we'll, we can get to where he like does something with his forehead and like, mm-hmm. it. but, um, but yeah, you don't see him like stretching like his whole body or anything. It's usually just his hands and stuff. Yeah. But so we're basically like setting up the premise and meeting the characters and there's Banshee and Emma and uh, yeah, we're pulling the cast together. M M plate has some weird little assistant guy. Who's very strange to me. He has a hat that says like dead on arrival DOA. <laughs> There's a lot of that's the only kind of visual thing I objected to is because they're all mutants. But then there's like these underling characters throughout both Generation X and Generation Next that are these sort of like monster people. Lackey people. Yeah, these yeah. Like lackey monsters. But they're not really mutants. They're just like like a, a goblin or something. That's very <laughs> yeah. strange to me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then uh, Gateway, who is uh, a back-in-the-day character. He's from, like, when the mm-hmm. X-Men went to Australia, and he's involved. So they have a conflict at the airport. They go to pick up Chamber, and M Plate's there, and he's trying to eat Chamber. There's some really cool stuff that they would do, because M Plate's sort of, like, able to move sort of outside of 
like multi-dimensionally and they do like cool xeroxes of him that they're kind of pulling is how they get that effect that's really cool there's some it's like he's in another dimension but he can see ours and move through it kind of yeah but he's not visible to us yeah so it's essentially just that they have a conflict with him as they're picking up chamber and then uh, he fights everybody, and then um, they go back to the school, and penance is dropped off. And so, like, it does a good job of we go with the premises and we meet a lot of the characters. But my kind of main critique of all of this is that the, just the characters are very hollow. I feel like I. Well, isn't that what Penance's name was supposed to be? Was it supposed to be Hollow? Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. I, th- I, th- I think so. Um, yeah, I kind of feel that way too. I, it, it seems like, you know, they're trying to keep Jubilee sassy, mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess, um, and show these characters with like cool powers. Mm-hmm. But it, it's, it is, I guess, kind of hard to develop personalities that stick with people for all these characters in one issue. But if that's the case, then I think, why not try to do that super well for at least two or three characters then, you know, you don't have to, you know? And so I get that M is like, cool. You're perfect. And you're, you're kind of bitchy. Like, Mm -hmm. all right. Um, But not, I think you're right. Like not much stays with you. Um, I go back and forth between even Jubilee with her, like kind of quippy comments and things like that. I sometimes have issue with like, she mentions, um, like a Cindy Crawford workout video. Like, okay, (laughs) great pop culture reference for the nineties. And then she says something like tacky cubed. Fine. (laughs) You're 13 years old. Great. Fine. Whatever. That makes sense to me. But then later she says something about like, well, at least one of us is civic minded. I'm like, 13 year olds don't talk like that girl. Uh, I think that's the problem when you have like, just like say by the bell where you have like adults, like this is what kids are like today, you know? And so I think that's kind of, tough i i think it's not always achievable but i mean you know it could have been in this i don't know <laughs> well like jubilee has the worst stink of them all i think of like this is a 40 year old man writing a teenager like where she's yeah. just using slang that doesn't exist and it's just it doesn't feel i mean a lot of the characters dialogue really feels like someone's like what would this kind of person say and it seems feels like labored over but like totally there's not natural feeling at all did you catch um when m has all of her like trucks of stuff dropped off that (laughs) banshee does a homer simpson dope (laughs) (laughs) it's just like okay yeah yeah um there were a couple little things in this issue with some of m's uh dialogue and actions that were interesting to me now knowing more about her character. And I don't, I mean, you know about this whole like pe- M and Penance thing that there that is going on now, right? And like the whole retconning with who M really is and who Penance really is. Well, so I guess we'll do spoilers because this is yeah, one of the things where what? I think I read, <laughs> I never read the issues. And again, when I was doing the reread, it happens after a fill-in artist shows up, but I've sort of gleaned, I think from Wizard Magazine, but, but, Break it down for me. What's the so, M, M plate and penance. So what's yes. the deal? So M, the M that we know in issue one. Well, okay. There were, there were four, four siblings in this family. Um, there was M plate was one of the siblings. M was his sister, Monet. 
Okay. And then they had two little sisters who were twins, like okay. Claudette and something else. So the two little sisters to like become stronger and hide from M-Plate or like run away from whatever merged into one being. Okay. That is M in the for in issue one. Okay. So that's not really M. Okay. M is really penance. Okay. And she, that that that's who she really is. And M plate was like feeding off of her for years. So now in the X-Men comics, Monet, she has this secondary mutation, sort of like Emma Frost, where Emma can turn into diamond. Mm-hmm. So Monet, she's super strong and she can fly and all that crap. But her secondary mutation is she can control her ability to turn into that penance form. Okay. So that's basically it. They have, I don't remember when it is. There's like some issue of Generation X. Maybe it's like around issue 10 or something. I don't know. Um, Again, someone's head's exploding. But um, (laughs) where Beast comes to the school to like evaluate the students. Mm -hmm. And M, who is the two sisters, goes into this weird like state where her eyes go blank and she's like ripping up a piece of paper or whatever. And they're like, oh, she's autistic, <laughs> which is like not how autism works at all. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was supposed to be this hint of like, she's not who she really says she is. And she's is going, has gone through this trauma. So in issue one, she's like climbing trees a lot. Uh-huh. And someone makes a comment about like, I think it's Banshee about like, that's, that's, I don't understand why you're doing this. It's something a child would do. And then you're like, mm. oh, Okay. I don't think they had it all sorted out at this point, what they were going to do with these characters that way. But it is interesting to kind of see, I think maybe a a writer would go back and read these issues and be like, oh, okay. So yeah, she was doing kind of childish things. Maybe she's the two little girls or something. Well, there's also in the generation next run, there's an allusion where they say something like, oh, where they're, it's sink and husk are posing as the guy. And then someone's like two mutants posing as one mutant. What an yeah. interesting mm-hmm. idea. So, and that's, you know, in hindsight yeah. is an illusion. It's a cool idea. Yeah. But, um, but I, people yeah. seem very confused by it now. <laughs> well, I'm I still, think it's cool that M can just turn into that form. I think that's cool. Cause I like that design, but so are there, Still those other two characters, though? Like, were they yeah, all? Yeah, so okay. th- now that you've seen them on, because, you know, like the X-Men in the current comics all live on this island now or whatever. Yeah. And in, I think it's a New Mutants issue, um, you see M chasing after two little penances. Mm-hmm. So that was the indication that her two younger sisters are on this island now, and they can also turn into that form. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, so, I, yeah. I like that design so much. Penance was always like my favorite character in Generation X, so much so that she's like the only one I have the action figure of. Ah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. <laughs> You're like, great. <laughs> no, it's cool. I like, I mean, it's like, what's your favorite? Yeah, I always really liked the visual of a uh, chamber very yeah. much. I think that's such a cool idea. Oh, that was what I was going to say too. It's my other um, memory of this. So yeah, I think I bought the first issue and then I didn't have any money to buy comics at this point in my life. And so um, I had a, you know, I had friends who were had much nicer houses than me growing up. And I uh, think I had a friend who bought like all of the age of apocalypse stuff. So I remember reading the generation next issues at his house, gotcha, but yeah. I never collected this, but I also remember when the first issue of generation X came out, 
Scott Lobdell did a signing at Dr. Comics and Mr. Games in Oakland. And I oh, got wow. the first issue and I'll remember this forever. He signed it for me with the big gold marker. And then I put it into the plastic poly bag oh, no. and it smeared the whole thing. <laughs> so I had, I don't oh. have it still, but I had a very smeared signed number one for a long time. But uh, yeah, and I don't think I read, I read Generation Next is, you know, at my friend's house. And then these other issues other than the first one, I think I read for the first time like five years ago. Mm. Um, but so yeah. I always liked, the, I always loved this art, but uh, I didn't collect these or anything. Or I will them. say as a recurring thing, as we go through these, um, I wrote down every time Angelo said something in Spanish that either bothered me or was inaccurate grammatically. <laughs> Do you have any for the first issue? Yes. In issue one, someone asks him how he's doing or something. And he says, um, like, muy bueno. Uh-huh. It's muy bien Ooh. is what you should say. <laughs> ¿Cómo estás? You don't go muy bueno. It's muy bien. Estoy muy bien. Like, I was just like, it bugs me. Why, why write this character and then just guess? That what yeah. he says is correct. It's on par with his quality of characterization, you know. Yeah. You know, back then we they, we didn't have to worry about the internet ripping you apart for doing something inaccurately re- representative of some, you know. So I think maybe they were just like, eh, who cares? Yeah, <laughs> we did our best. You know, Tom DeFalco said this is great. You know, so yeah. yeah well, you know, and if you want to uh, do a Google search on Scott Lobdell, uh, he's he's uh, he's run into a few. Oh, no. A few issues over the years. But um, no, that's fun, though. Let's keep the uh, inaccuracies meter going. Um, (laughs) There's some other ones, too. So one thing I'm finding a lot as I discuss runs with people is this early, mid-90s era of comics. One thing I'm finding a lot is that issue two and three don't really ever seem to function as two separate issues. (laughs) They're generally like... One long issue, like whatever's happening huh. in issue two just seems to keep happening. Like that happened with this where. Why do you think um, that is? Uh, I think they weren't writing for graphic novels yet. And okay. uh, I don't know why, but there seems to be like a lack, a decompression or something. It's like one kind of sets things up and then you get a storyline that doesn't really seem to go. It's like that was a lot of the early image comics. Like if you read the first issues of Youngblood, it's like you get to issue four and you're like, are they still just standing outside fighting this right. guy? Okay. Like for, <laughs> like a huh. bunch of splash pages. And um, I'm just noticing that from this era as I... Oh. Yeah, there are two. Uh, there are two instances: one in Generation X and one in Generation X, where we get characters saying "rassum frassum," <laughs> like they're a Looney Tunes character. Yeah. Guess what? Jubilee is the one who says it in the first one. She says in the second issue I wrote, "Someone needs a major tood adjustment,", adjustment. which is mm-hmm. a hard, just a bad. So essentially, issue two and three is just them like running through the woods trying to get uh penance to calm down yeah i did think that towards the beginning of this issue there's something kind of interesting that happens where so i I mean there's a whole generation of x-men fans who discovered x-men because of the fox animated series Uh right Totally. So they know Jubilee is this character who was playing, you know, arcade games at the mall and then Storm and Rogue save her. And Jubilee talks in this issue about how Gateway was the person who sent her to, to the X-Men right. originally. Yeah, and in Australia. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, 
you know, he's obviously doing something like that again. And so she wants him to like speak up and say what's going on. I thought that was kind of interesting because people don't, I think a lot of people who may like, may not read the comics don't know that that's actually, you know, part of how she was introduced into the comics. It was through this gateway character and now Mm -hmm. they're using him in in a similar way again. So I thought that was kind of, kind of cool. One Um, thing I like too about X-Men is that I don't know if it holds up over the years, but there's, through several iterations, the the entry point of the whole series is like a young woman. Uh, yeah, like a shadow X-Men. cat. Or, Initially, it's yeah. Jean Grey in the very mm-hmm. first issue ever. Yeah, and then it's uh, Kitty Pride, sort of the next generation. And then a generation after that, it's Jubilee, which yeah. I like that a lot. Yeah, that's great. So, um, but yeah, that's essentially the next two issues are just the aftermath of Pendant's arrival. Um, and then again, it's like, basically like the characters are all kind of stumbling through the woods, trying to figure out what to do. And I think it would work really well if these character dynamics were more interesting or if the characters themselves were more well-written, like, but it's lacking that compelling characterization to me. Yeah. And I think, um, one thing that I would have liked is if these kids get paired up to go find um, you know, penance or whatever that mm-hmm. maybe pair a couple of them together who really don't want to be together. That's mm-hmm. kind of fun. Like they don't really kind of go there or do that. Um, I did like how M has this scene with Banshee and, and uh, Emma where she's telling them like, okay, so here's all the stuff I learned about penance. And they're like, what did you do? Did you like go into her mind? Did you? She's like, no, I just looked at her. so that was kind of fun i do like that yeah or uh husk and skin playing scrabble i think is a really good premise for a good scene yeah but it doesn't i don't know it doesn't go much anywhere no again Um, it's like i'm from the barrio and like i'm from the the country the, the country and she's the younger sister of sam guthrie which i like too yeah, I think that it's okay to, um, it's a little vague, right? I think it's one thing to to have that be this funny connection, but I think there's a, a fine balance. You can have him be like, well, what do you know? You're from the country, mm-hmm. you know, because he's from the city. Mm-hmm. And then they he can learn the value in like the things that she's learned in being in the country. Like, why weren't the two of them sent out? And then she's like, actually in the country, in the woods, you do this and this and this. If they're looking for something, she's, you know, she, that he can then see how her experiences are valid, but they don't do that. They just have them play Scrabble. <laughs> yeah. Well, also I had a, I had a student in the last year or something who was asking me like, how do you write, you know, people of color? How do you learn to write people of color? And I feel like if you have to ask, like you've got a lot of work to do, you know? Um, yeah. But I think the essential question is still like, who is this person? Like, it's not like, oh, well, all, you know, black yeah, characters you... are all motivated by the same thing. So I think Skin is a really good example of a character where they didn't really get past like, oh, he's a Hispanic kid from L.A. That's who he is. And you're like, but yeah. who else is he? Right. What else is it about him that's that's interesting? That's I think it's great you said that because I think um, when somebody asks, how do you write, you know, characters that are people of color? Mm-hmm. It, there's something behind that asking, not consciously, I think, you know, especially if it's a young person, but you know, you're essentially saying like, Oh, how do I write this person? Because 
they likely are the same as all of the other people that belong to their you right. know, racial category or their ethnic minority. Like, mm-hmm. well, but you know, not all, not all Latinos <laughs> are like the, the same thing. Not all Asian people are the same. So just, I tell people just make them a character. Yeah. Like just, you know, when I did reptile, I was like, cool. He's got two cousins and one of them is super gay. And the other one is like a super intelligent going to college already kind of young person. And she likes to run. <laughs> yeah <laughs> like great <laughs> so yeah i think that's it's you know to just treat it like a like a person there is another thing in issue two that i found interesting we get like one page that introduces mondo yes and then we don't meet him again till generation next right that's yeah. so weird to me me too i thought that was i thought because it would we get a lot more of him in generation next well, we got a few things. One thing I actually really liked about this series and the Age of Apocalypse thing is we learn a lot about the characters that we will have to like go back and relearn, like about how their powers work. Mm-hmm. There's, I like that a lot. And so that was potentially really interesting to not meet this character until you get to this parallel version and then go back. And But that you meet him for one page is it didn't, that was yeah. an awkward way to do it, I thought. I, don't, I guess I just don't understand the point of that scene because is there any connection to the other kids and i don't know didn't seem like it it's like you're setting him up that you're gonna meet him later but uh yeah it was it was yeah not well done are there any other for issue well let's just do issue i think we do issue two and three together yeah that's fine is there any what are the skin faux pas um linguistically Oh, you know what's funny? I have one for issue four, but none for two and three. But in in issue two, I do have a question about skin, but not about the character skin. <laughs> um, I think it's Banshee. So he gets cut up by Penance. And She's got her finger in his mouth. Yeah, yeah, but someone says that her skin is capable of slicing through anything. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't understand that sentence because like her claws okay uh-huh but like are you telling me if you touch like her forearm it's gonna cut you like i, I don't th- understand that i think that they do say like no one can touch her right yeah. like her skin itself is in some but, way but if even like if you touch a diamond <laughs> like like it, it's it not it's not gonna cut you unless it's at a sharp point She's just, I think so if like, you look at her real close, there's like a lot of little <laughs> edges, okay. you know, it's like, sure. uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand it, but all right. Um, the only other thing I have about issue three is that I think um, the fact that it's like raining and they're all looking for her is this excuse to put them in ponchos that make them all look like they're wearing capes. <laughs> <laughs> I like the ponchos. Well, and I like that husk. Um, so for the first time she pulls her skin off and she's got this kind of diamond form that she uses to fight penance. Yeah. So that's cool. I think the like rollout of her powers is really cool. Right. Like, Cause they do ask her when, cause penance kind of like slashes her arm mm-hmm. and like, and she's like in this diamondy rock form and someone asks her like, well, what's your arm going to be like when you shed your skin? Is that going to, you know, like if you go back to your original form, are you going to have a cut there? And she says something kind of like she doesn't know. Yeah, she's going to figure. Although yeah. in the first issue that happens, she gets cut up and then they pull and her skin Jubilee off. Jubilee rips her skin off, right? Yeah, so, well, you know, consistency maybe you know. not. But yeah, but and then just visually, you know, I just have 
a lot to say about how cool these comics look just like the i mean you get more out of the characters from the way they're drawn than from the way they're written yeah and just the whole vibe of it and the uh like the splatter effects and the use of whiteout and just the way yeah like they it looks really unconventional it doesn't look like any other superhero comics particularly x-men comics they don't really look heroic which i really like yeah they look um more horrific (laughs) yeah and they look like kids too which is like new mutants by the end like they didn't look like kids at all right i think that they've designed clearly they designed some of these characters so to make it so that they are visually not necessarily like appealing but interesting you know chambers like i'm gonna stand here and just wait for her and then when she <laughs> finds, and then when she finds him, I if I remember it correctly, like you know, you see sort of the light coming out of him, and it's like going up into the air, and it just looks really cool. Yeah, um, with this like person wearing all these scraps, and there's like some like not it's not cross hatching, but there's a lot of line work on this like yeah on this um, material that she's wearing, um, and it just makes for a really pleasing, I don't know, interesting book to look at yeah and then again going back to chrissy b like how he changes because there's a lot of great texture that i think is all mark buckingham like on the last page of issue three there's a tree and just the way like uh the bark is drawn or again those splatter effects like Mm. or like the bricks you know there's just a lot of really cool texture that he doesn't seem to do anymore once he's not working with mark buckingham so i think that that's a lot of where they were paired up yeah um, and so then issue four is a really weird Christmas issue. <laughs> and uh, yeah. they they brought back fan favorites, Nanny and uh, is it Widowmaker? Orphan Maker. Orphan Maker. Sorry, those characters that no one ever wanted to see again. <laughs> like the- I just don't under, like, I think Nanny is a fan favorite popular character like now because she's done some stuff that's fun in the comics. Hmm. But I just, I didn't even feel like we really saw her. Did we? Well, she's got some new form. Like she was an egg shaped character before. Shows that egg like kind of off to the side. Yeah. And then is she just like an old lady in this? Well, I think that she's, we don't, I think she comes back later and we don't. So this is like alluding because Orphan Maker looks different. Written really well. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I got that, that she now looks different, but we don't get to see her yet. So it's supposed to be like intriguing, I think. Uh, But And I think actually for me, I think some of the first comics I ever read in my life were right when Jim Lee came on X-Men. I was like seven and they're in Australia and they're dealing with Nanny and Orphan Maker. Like these are actually some of the first comic characters I ever interacted with and i remember being really baffled by those characters when i was reading what is this but so the christmas issue uh is really odd i mean i like that they're trying to build a relationship between uh penance and chamber yeah and then husk and emma like they're sort of trying to build to something which is a nice try I love in that scene how Emma is wearing, it's very 90s. She's wearing the baggiest Allison from Hocus Pocus sweater <laughs> I've like ever seen in my life. And it's very, it's like not something that she would ever wear. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, I give credit to the artist for that. Cause it's like, how is the teacher really going to walk around in a push-up corset all the Thank time? Thank you. I've been saying that all the time. Like imagine, par- I want a comic. That's like parent-teacher day, visit day at the Xavier Institute, right? Yeah. And Emma answers the door and lets them. And they're like, she's, what? 
Yeah, like, you're like, she, like she doesn't look like a headmistress. My 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 kid can't go to the school, and the problem is not that you're mutants. It's that what are you wearing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't want my kids around that. But like, I mean, I don't know. I'm not someone who's against showing skin and whatever and all that. And I'm like, great, fine. But like, she could she can wear that whenever she wants. She could also look cool in like a an awesome white business suit yeah just put a blazer on a white blazer yeah yeah Yeah, it's also there's this really funny extremely dated backdrop throughout the issue it's like sort of pixely clip art of like bells oh yeah 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 it's really hideous (laughs) um there's i noticed that throughout the comic and also a lot in issue four there's a good amount of like narrative narration captions Mm mm-hmm and I don't think that a lot of comics do that too much anymore. I think captions totally went out of style. Yeah. Like yeah, comics like, generally are much quicker reads now than they used to be. Like if I, I sometimes I'll write a comic and like, like um, I'll have captions on like the first page. If it's a character thinking about something and then I abandon them because I want to get into the story. Like mm-hmm. you just want to hear what's going on in the character's head. Okay, cool. Great. Now let's have the story. And then maybe a few captions at the end, but this one has them like all the way throughout. And it was yeah. a little, I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it was distracting, but like it was, it was very what I'm not used to anymore. Yeah. And I mean, I think it's one of those things that like, as they've become less of a thing, it's kind of clarified how unnecessary they are or can be too. Yeah. Like if you read a, a Stanley Spider-Man comic. Like I love the narration, but you're like, Oh, you can actually take all this out and get the story. Like you yeah. don't need him to tell you that he punches him with incredible force. It's Spider-Man punching someone. He's strong. Yeah. Can't I uh, see that happen? Yeah. I can just see it. The show don't yeah. tell has become a big rule in comics. When you mm. wrote reptile from Marvel, did they give you any guidelines like that? Were they like, we don't use captions very much. Anymore. No, not really. Um, I chose in the first issue to, because there's a lot of like, um, heavy lifting that needs to happen right away so that people who don't know the character's 10-year history mm-hmm. can catch up. Yeah. And so I have him like, I used to be a superhero. You probably have never heard of me, kind of, you know, blah, 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 in captions. Mm-hmm. Like, I fought Stegron once. It was cool. Giant <laughs> Man did this for me, blah, blah, blah. And then you meet his family and you go into the story. Yeah. And um, he says something in the very beginning in a caption in Spanish, about that, like a saying his mom used to say, and then in the final issue, on like the final page, he's like, "Oh, I guess my in the captions. Oh, I guess my mom was right. This phrase, blah 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 blah. That's it. Like, yeah, that's, that's the only time I really wanted to use them. I considered when I was writing Lifetime Passes having having Jackie, the main character, narrate a lot of the book through captions. And as I tried doing that, I was like, "This doesn't work." Yeah, and, and because I did, I did know that I wanted her to be able. I wanted you to hear her talking to her parents who had been deported. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, well, then why don't I just have her write a letter to them at the end of the book? Mm. And you can see you can see that as captions and it's only on two pages. That's cool. Like, great. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely not what I'm used to anymore. It just it was a little distracting. And it's funny because it does happen again throughout quite a bit of Generation Next. <laughs> Yeah, and we'll get to that in just a second. But yeah. I, I know people really want to hear about my Muhammad Ali biography. So let's do it. That was one of the kind of genesis of that project was looking at comics biographies, and they're basically like visual montages with tons of captions. Yeah, and I, I, I was like, I don't want to read this. I'd re- just read a standard biography, and telling that story without any captions was such a cool 
process and challenge to me. And then as I was going through like my first round of reviews, there was like a call for more context. So the compromise I made is in every chapter, there's one page that's all captions. That's like a zoom in on a certain thing. Like, oh, here's what Louisville's like in 1954, or here's what the heavyweight champion title is all about. I think so. that's great. Like yeah. I did that Cesar Chavez book and there's not really captions in that, but I think there's like maybe four pages that are these like asides that mm-hmm. talk a little bit more in depth about like, this is what the grape strike was like, and this is where they marched and whatever. I, I wrote another book, I guess, well, it hasn't been announced yet. So I guess I can't say Ooh. much, but um, in that one, it's also about a person who lived, <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but I don't have captions in that one. It's just about a specific time in this person's life. And I realized that at that time they were writing letters to their spouse quite a bit. So I was like, Oh, if there's something that I want to get across that I want people to know that's on her mind, I'll just have her write that person a letter. Mm-hmm. So that's whatever. cool. Yeah. So that's the solution. Cause I've learned not, from you is have it be in a letter. It was not a text messagey time. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. Hard times. Mm-hmm. Those pre-text message errors. Oh, so- I do have a, a skin. Oh, no, no. In the Ooh, Spanish thing. Let's hear it. He says, um, he says, muy stupido. It's the, the, the word in Spanish for stupid is not stupido. It's eh, stupido. <laughs> Isn't it, isn't it ironic? uh, Not really. (laughs) It's kind of expected at this point. Right. But it's, uh, (laughs) it's a meta mistake. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was my, that was my, I don't know, my skin. Oh no, no. That's good. No, I'm keep them, keep them coming. Unfortunately. There are more. The fourth issue is just all about like a kid at a school who's allegedly a mutant he's got like deformity and he's not allowed to go there so he's like holding the classroom hostage which is a very weird premise and nanny and orphan maker get involved i'm not sure why and then it turns out that the kid is quote unquote not a mutant he's He's just just ugly he's just ugly is what they say but i mean isn't that actually what a mutant is is it's like that's what a mutation is in reality is a like a genetic mutation those are real things right i mean yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I think it's interesting that in this world of the X Men, it's like somebody who's ugly could just be like, "Oh no, no, I'm not ugly. I'm a mutant." Yeah, <laughs> but it's like no, you have to I have like pretend. you have to have laser eyes to be a mutant. Right. That's such a weird over general premise of X Men is like, oh, it's the next phase of uh, human evolution, but it's like, there's no uniformity to it at all. <laughs> I want, I want an X book about like all of the kind of rejecty character, like beak. Yeah. You know what I mean? All, yeah. And, and, but like, and it, it, a book where like all the ones who are like, Oh, we don't do anything cool. We just look funky. Yeah. And our powers are stupid. And then we, some of us don't even have powers and they end up saving the day. Like that's be fun. A cool. Yeah. I mean, beak was a cool character for that reason is it was sort yeah. of like the, um, I just think like, wouldn't they just all have laser eyes? Like, wouldn't it be like, oh, the next phase of human evolution is laser eyes. And so here's, sure. you know, 20,000 people who all have laser eyes that they're born with. And yeah. uh, so I don't know. But uh, yeah. And then the uh, crystals overtake reality at the end. And it says, okay, now it's going to be another series. And then we get into 
Jenner. Oh, but also I don't have any idea what the moral of that story was. I don't either. I was thinking like, if this was a holiday special that was animated, (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Would I want to watch it every year? (laughs) But also like, I just don't even know what he was trying to say. It's like, okay, this kid holds the school hostage and he's, uh, not even a mutant he's got a deformity and then his teacher dies and it's like what is the what are you trying to say i remember jubilee and i think banshee trying to kind of say something but it didn't really come out yeah this is surreal so cool right on yeah all right (laughs) so then we get a generation next we get we start with uh so we see chamber right away and again it starts like a danger room sequence so he blew his chest open in this reality but not his face yeah he's sort of more like a havoc right where he has like a like this energy beam that comes out of his chest. Well, that's one of my questions is I don't understand his powers at all. I don't, I don't either. Like he, his fire inside of him. I don't I know. Don't... Cause there, there, there comes to be an era in X-Men comics. Like it's around when Bishop shows up where it's like, there's always these fancy explanations, but everyone basically just like shoots some sort of energy. Yeah. And like sometimes it's some they absorb kinetic energy or whatever. Even but it's like, um, even Mplate did that in issue one. Yeah, of Generation X. He's like, oh, guess what? When I siphon people's marrow, I can turn it into energy and shoot it back at you. Right. <laughs> yeah. But then, like, because uh, Chamber at some point in this, he uses his powers to convince everyone that they saw something they didn't actually see. I think in so in the Generation X comics whenever he speaks, it's those weird looking, I, I always thought they were kind of cool, but these weird looking like telepathic balloons. Yeah. Because obviously that's how he has to speak. So I feel like he has this telepathic ability. Yeah. Um, And so maybe that's what they're alluding to is that he also has those kinds of abilities, which allow him to make it so that people didn't really see what they saw. Um, I don't know. It's just called psionic energy is what it's referred to. But it's like it blew his face (laughs) off. I think he can shoot lasers and stuff with it, I think. But he also is it's like psychic in some I don't know. And again, we spent eight issues with this guy and I don't really know even have a base understanding of how his powers work. (laughs) I, I noticed right as I started reading this that on the cover there's a random turtle, a candy cane. And a ladybug and a skull. On Just the co- at the bottom of the cover of issue one of Generation Next. I, I like, love this These art. little rando things that he puts in. It's like a candy cane? <laughs> All right. <laughs> it's right after the holiday issue. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I didn't even catch that. Yeah. But that's. Um, so it's essentially the same cast, although the, the headmasters are Colossus and Kitty Pride. Yeah. And like really messed up versions of that. That was one of the more interesting uh, Age of Apocalypse switches to me. Was I was trying to remember if I could think about where the White Queen and uh, Banshee were in the Age of Apocalypse. Is there a reason why they're not there? And I don't really remember. Well, in the Age of Apocalypse, one of the things was that all the uh, psychic power characters were all just killed. Like Apocalypse, when he took over... There's no Jean Grey. There's no Emma Frost. They all just were there. Is she got like short red hair? Oh, shoot. Well, that blows that up. But I remember that. No, but they do mention that in Generation X, how Apocalypse is trying to do that, like wipe them all out. So maybe Mm -hmm. Jean was like, just kidding. I'm hiding. I remember her being there. She's with, I think she's with Logan. Yep. 
And she's yeah. got like short red hair. Um, but I remember Psylocke wasn't there. I think right. Emma's not there. And then I think also they realize that Banshee's just a crappy character and shouldn't be the headmaster. Yeah. So they switched them with Colossus. Who who do you think would you would have put in Generation X as in in place of Banshee? Oh well, I I really like the Colossus Kitty Pride pairing. I think it works for a number of re- well, and then Kitty Pride ends up in the Astonishing X Men later that Joss Whedon did. They mm-hmm. kind of pull her in for that. I really like her as that character. Um, that's a great question. Do you have someone in mind? No, not necessarily. I think that. Um, I think you, if you did someone like, I don't, I don't even think this is an int- that interesting character, but if you did someone like Cannonball, then you get to play up pages like, ugh, but my brother's in charge. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to like stand out and trying to show that I'm a smart person. So like that could have been kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. But um, I think that Kitty Pride would have been a good person to also have there just because she, like you said, she's one of the people who was introduced to the X-Men um, as a young as a young girl, and she's sort of now put in the position, like the opposite position, where she's welcoming students now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think she they did have her do that in like that the run of X Men where um, it was like the Jean Grey school and the original X Men time traveled to the present. Oh, like, I think yeah. she was in charge of the school at that point. Uh-huh. But um, then I think you get to do some fun stuff with her and Jubilee, where they relate to each other that way, and she can help Jubilee kind of i don't know so i think there's plenty of other characters that would have been good but we got what we got <laughs> yeah i don't know it was a weird one like he's just not a very interesting character and the way he yeah. uses his powers throughout are so strange too he's like ah now i'm gonna use sonar with my it's like okay I guess. yeah right. um but so essentially the first issue is just a big danger room sequence and we kind of re-meet all the characters um, in this reality, Paige, for some reason, has a uh, like a brown red hair. Yeah, share her hair. And I think it's because that's the other thing is actually she does have a different characterization in this and she's super horny. That's her. Yeah, character. that's weird. Um, do you remember the, I swear this relates. Do you remember the season of Drag Race that ended with like they couldn't do anything because of COVID? And so RuPaul was just wearing like this blue face kini. Do you remember this? Well, I have to admit something to you, which is that around season around season ten, I stopped watching. I'm gonna send you. I'm gonna send you the meme. Okay, because it's bizarre. What Paige is wearing Uh on her face? It's like this weird BDSM face kini thing. Yeah, RuPaul wears it, but like in a light blue. It's just weird. I don't know why they have the character because Chambers also kind of in one. Yeah, it's just a weird sort of thing for their costume. Well, it's very not good for COVID because. doesn't cover your, because cover, only covers the parts you should be covered. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I watched, I just was like, you know, I'm watching the show for like 10 years and I think I've, uh, I still watch it. I figure it's yeah. like, it's my gay sports. Yeah. No, I mean, my mom will occasionally call me, but no, this season's really good. I used to and always like, like every, sure it is, mom. <laughs> yeah. I would like every week would get on the phone with her and we'd discuss it. You know, like sometimes yeah. she, I hadn't watched it yet and she'd like ruin it. She'd leave a message. Like, why did oh, they no. kick Willem off? And I'd be like, I haven't watched it yet. Um, But yeah, oh, I mean, I might jump back in. It's so self-referential though, too, that I now. feel like if I jumped back in, I would not know what they were talking about, but still a great show. So anyway. then, Mondo, yeah, Mondo's very involved, and we met him briefly, but um, and it didn't then feel weird that he hasn't really been much in Generation X, and he's very, very utilized in this mm-hmm. series, especially in the later issues. But I, like you said, I do think that's kind of cool because then I think as a reader, you're gonna say, "Oh, well, is he gonna be kind of like this 
when we get back to the regular stuff. Yeah. And he speaks in the third person, which yeah, I don't know what yeah. that's about. Um, and again, his powers are sort of, he's able to like merge with like mix materials? his mass with materials yeah. or something. Yeah. Um, but I like that Colossus, I mean, it's very of the era, the like gritty nineties vibe, but I like the way it's done that he's just been through a lot is the sense you get from him. Yeah. And the way he's drawn, I like his, his red <laughs> face bandana. bandana. Yeah. And his one big eye. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was, it was also kind of like surprising that they chose to give Kitty Pride these like Wolverine claws. Yeah, that was weird. But maybe that's because like, I don't know, are they supposed to be like cat-like, shadow cat? I don't oh, know. yeah. And also she's got such a um, defensive power. That why would like, you need those? I, but I, it gives her like an offensive capability because she's more of a... Um, it's just like the tone of the world, you know, like, she, I guess that's right. That's more of the tone of the world. I would just think like, why not just pull somebody into a wall and leave them there? And then you can. Yeah, that's true. Um, <laughs> Skin says in this issue. Oh, let's hear it. Uh, no te comprende Espanol. And I wrote in my notes after that, what the fuck? <laughs> it's so not right at all. Well, I think um, that Scott Lobdell no te comprendes Espanol. Well, Cause what he's kind of saying is, um, you know understand spanish when what he's what what, in context what he's kind of trying to say is like is sorry i don't i don't speak i don't speak english Mm -hmm. it's sort of what he's trying to say but that doesn't make sense either so i just i was like all right next panel (laughs) yeah they could have just i'd say they could have run that by anyone you know yeah (laughs) You didn't have a you didn't have have a Latino in the office. Um, just just one. Did you did know you one see, person? Did you see the new Batman movie? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. So my only review of it, which doesn't really spoil much, was I was like, "Are you telling me this could have been wrapped up like a lot sooner if they had one Spanish speaker on the Gotham Police Force?" Ah, uh, well, <laughs> like, I'll get back to you one, on that. Just one. <laughs> it's it's streaming in a couple of weeks and ah uh, nice okay my, w- anyway. my wife has agreed to watch it with me so i'll get cool. back to you um yeah but so and then skin is like grayer in this world for some reason and they have a cool computer character who is I don't that know. supposed to be m because i don't know because she's i mean she's got darker skin like m yeah and she's called know-it-all uh-huh. and jubilee was referred to or kind of like that. I was like, okay, Miss knows everything or whatever. Yeah. So I was wondering if that's supposed to be M. Because we I don't, don't really get any other version of her. She's uh, but I, I just assumed she was like a computer program. Like she was like Cerebro. Like she's just a visual representation, but she's not actually a person. Hmm. But I don't know. Um yeah so then Magneto shows up. I really like the visual for Magneto oh, right. that he does. He's got like a light of an eye and you don't see his face. And then uh, he's basically, so yeah, so the whole overall premise is they're trying to fix this, uh, you know, Legion went back in time and killed his father by accident. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to undo that. So uh, Ilyana Rasputin, who for some reason is younger in this reality, which I don't know, but she's also, I've never really understood that character either. So it's maybe that makes sense with, or she's anyway, but so all these things are happening to try to undo this problem. And so Colossus's team of, you know, next generation mutants is, is basically sent on a suicide mission to rescue Ilyana from these uh, like slave mines in Seattle. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, and then the next three issues are basically just that mission playing out. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> what do you got? These, I mean, it just felt so different than uh-huh. Generation, which is, I'm assuming that's what they want. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know. There's just something not as a, this is going to sound funny considering how much we feel like the art in Generation X is what really appeals to us. Mm-hmm. To me, and the art is the same artist, but it felt not as appealing to me as huh. as a storyline as I don't know. I guess I kind of like the like fatalistic. I mean, I like that that it's kind of distilled down to this one mission and that, you know, spoiler alert, but they all die. <laughs> like, yeah, that's crazy. But it's one of those things that's kind of cool. Like they're putting together this big uh crossover and it's sort of like well what can we do if we're in a separate reality for four issues and one thing you can do is actually like kill everybody kill most of the yeah. cast like that i do think is kind of fun i don't know yeah. how else to say that but yeah i don't know and uh one thing that's really interesting to me too is that they're in iliana's in these uh sort of slave mines and she's in there with aunt may oh i didn't even catch yeah that. the old woman that she's with i believe is supposed to be aunt may what yeah Weird. and there there's a series in the age of apocalypse i can't remember what it's called it's called like it's like two issues but it's a lot about the non-mutant characters and what they're up to like that's where you meet spider-man and a few other characters oh, okay and uh that one i don't know if they've been collected but hmm. um i'm pretty sure it was supposed to be aunt may or it's just another old woman called may but i i read into it that it was Aunt May, and then we meet so and then we meet these new villains and they're very weird. Like the sugar man. Yeah. He's got like two faces. Is that he's right? like a big face. His whole body is a big face. And then he's got like four arms on top and then Again, two legs. The, the With the goblins. Yeah. He's like this, but, and he's like apparently very, very dangerous, but we never really get a good sense of what he can do. And one of the holdovers from Age of Apocalypse is he ends up uh, coming over to our reality. Oh, okay. And, uh, and then they never really do anything with him. <laughs> right. uh, and it's, again, it's not really clear what he can do or, like, he gets bigger and smaller and he, like, gets killed and doesn't die. And it's very strange. Hmm. Um, but essentially, yeah, we're just dealing with this this rescue mission for... And again, like issues two and three are kind of all one piece. There's a guy, um, he's called, I have it written down. He looks like Slash from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't remember his name, but he's like purple kind of, and he's got like yeah. curly hair. Yeah. yeah. And Pierce, the nose ring, he's basically, he so I him. like that though, that they kill him and then Sink, who's Vincent, Vincent. Vincent? Like, why are they calling him that? I don't know. But he and Husk together, she's basically like standing on his shoulders. And, and she's she, like filling out her coat or something. Yeah, because she can't replicate body mass. So she can yeah. look like him, but she's like a head and like she's not large, physically large enough. Yeah. That was kind of cool. And that we never learn what his powers are. And that's part of how they get um, their ruse is disrupted. Is yeah, because she, uh, she doesn't know what they are. She's like, oh, yeah. shit, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> so, but so they're, you know, trying to, everyone's trying to infiltrate this mine, essentially. Issue two is also where we get another uh, Rassum Frassum. Oh, right on. And Give people um, what they want. Someone in issue, are we kind of lumping two and three? 
Diana? Yeah, I think so. Because someone in issue three, uh, maybe it is Skin. No, or I don't know. They say um, they refer to him as Ma- not Mama Espinosa's smartest bambino. Mm-hmm. And nope. I don't, I, I don't get it. If it's Skin, he wouldn't say that because that's is not Italian. <laughs> Oh yeah! <laughs> I just like I don't I can't. That's awesome. That's so incompetent. <laughs> like that's not like Italy. Uh, Italy is nowhere near Latin America. Yeah. Like, that's anyway. A, that's I know it's a great. Latin-based language, but come on. No, that's um, awesome. That's such a <laughs> egregious error. <laughs> anyway. So yeah, I like yeah. there's a double page spread in the opening of three where we see the mines and there's all these great like whiteout renderings of oh, people yeah, yeah. like in the far distance, which mm-hmm. looks really cool. Um, I mean, that's basically all I got is I like the vibe of these. The art is to me phenomenal. I just love it visually so much. And then the writing kind of is what it is. And uh, I mean, when you have four issues to do this other story and that's all you've got and it's just, you know, it's going to go back to the you know, regular back to the regularly scheduled program here pretty soon, then I think that it's, it's fine. You know, like you said, in issue four, spoiler, they all end up kind of dying. Mm -hmm. And I just, how else are you going to like, what are you going to do? Set up, set it up so that like, they have a great story that you want to continue reading. Like, no, Mm -hmm. like we got to go back to generation X. So yeah. Um, And then Mondo gathers Ilyana. This is really interesting that he, she's inside of his body. And he's yeah. like burrowing through, they're like a mile underground. And, but his powers will digest her if it takes too long. Yeah. That's kind of cool. And then there's like a human girl that he promises to save too. And I don't I know if that's the fake out, right? Is like, you think that that's what's going to happen is that they're going to save this girl and it's going to be fine. And, and then it's like, no. <laughs> yeah. It just doesn't go well at all. But then the whole universe gets one of the things too, though, is that because this, crossover premise has been replicated a bunch of times it did house of m and they do it like twice a year now yeah but this was the first time it was done and it was one of those i remember being a kid me like whoa is this just what x-men comics are going to be like now yeah same i remember th- i remember wondering because i think at that point you don't know you're like well when is it going to go back is, how long is this going to go on and that made it kind of interesting and also like nerve-wracking that you're like but i but are we just abandoning the other x-men <laughs> right and they dropped all these storylines rogue is with magneto now what oh yeah totally i know we could yeah. do another deep dive on um Age of but yeah but that's about it is it's a rescue mission <clears throat> they do rescue iliana um i noticed another thing that i thought was really kind of weird in issue four is that it i think it's either on the first or second page but that sugar man character mm-hmm. If you look real close, he's holding Thor's hammer. On the fourth and, issue? Uh, no, yeah, in the fourth issue. And it says sugar on it. And then when you see it the next time, from the yeah. other from the other side, it says Acme. Weird. Yeah. Do you think it's so, supposed to be Thor's hammer or just a hammer that looks like Thor's hammer? I think it looks too much like his hammer that that for it not to be. It's true. And he also has a little goblin henchman who repeats things. <laughs> and again, it's like, is this a, a mutant or what is this guy? What like, is this? The labyrinth from labyrinth? Yeah, totally. <laughs> it's like, I don't know. But yeah. And then Sugar Man gets killed like three times in this issue and he just keeps yeah. not being Coming dead. back. And then he stows away in Colossus's boot. 
<laughs> just, oh, right. Yeah. So that's my, that's the one big question that I had for you after I read all of these, because mm-hmm. I was like, well, I can't tell. I don't, I don't know. But when in the final issue, so what happens is they're like all kind of stuck in there and um, Kitty Pride gets Colossus and Ileana out and Kitty Pride's like, I'm going back. Like, yeah. that's, that's, like it's almost like their first fight. Yeah, she's, she's like, pissed I'm going at him. back to, to get everybody else. Well, she's pissed and, at him, which kind of goes against her characterization up to this point. Yes. Anyway. And yeah. he's like, no, I'll go. Mm-hmm. And she's like, all right, okay. So then he goes and there's like a scene with like, I don't know what is like an elevator or a door that he's like, that's closing. Yeah. And you kind of can't tell if he like tries or not. No, he's seeing them all getting slaughtered. Okay. And, and then the, what's, you know, the irony is then the gate closes on him. He can't get through it. I mean, he doesn't really try. It's true. He just cries. But if Should she had, got, if she had gone back, she would That's have been able exactly to exactly what her abilities are. Yeah. So, but again, you know, the universe is about to get, and, uh, and Husk has given him the stink eye. <laughs> as she's being killed. Okay. Which is pretty good. That's right. I yeah. can't tell if he was like just standing there and watching and not doing something, or if he's like, I can't do anything. I feel like it's a well-drawn sequence though, of him kind of kneeling at the gate of yeah. like, uh, I mean, it's such a big emotional mo. It's like the bottom. Oh, right. He of does kind of like fa- fall down and like kneel down. Yeah, I mean, I think it could be given more. It could be two pages instead of a third of a page or whatever. But um, it's kind of a cool. I mean, it was. I remember reading that and being like, "Whoa!" <laughs> like it, it <laughs> is impactful. I think. But um, yeah. So then, you know, as we move towards the double size issue or whatever, that it's like X Men Prime or something where we bookend the age of apocalypse uh so Ilyana is brought into the sequence and then the sugar man ends up going into standard marvel universe and then never really being used again mm. uh, so those are the changes being brought uh yeah and then that's and then it goes back to generation x and uh we're, we're not getting into those but <laughs> but you read the series for a long time i did yeah i enjoyed it yeah, I think there's a lot of potential here. Like, uh, and it seems like they did some cool stuff with it, but I'd have to go back and reread. I remember enjoying quite a bit of it, um, especially as you get to know the characters better. But yeah, um, I don't know. I they mean, tried to reboot it again, like, you know, what, 10 years ago or something with like a new cast. Yeah. And it didn't really, I don't think it really went anywhere. Well, they're always trying to kind of bring in a new generation of X-Men, which they should. It makes sense. But because uh, sometimes they do it within the X-Men series itself. And then sometimes it's his own title. But, and there's been a few, like a few of these characters are still around. I think Chamber was an yep. o- official X-Men for a little while. And so was Paige. Yeah. Um, you know, Jubilee was, but she was like a vampire for a while. Yeah. I don't, even, yeah. I don't know. No. Um, Monet is an official like that's right you know? yeah yeah she's running she's running like x corp or whatever um but yeah i don't know who else i, I don't even know what happened to mondo is he even around i don't skin, know skin was res- so everett sink is on the main x-men team right now oh okay um and it was kind of cool they did a great scene where like gene is teaching him how to use her ability because she's like what good is it if you can like sync my abilities if you don't know how to use them mm. telepath like telepathically mm-hmm. um so that was kind of cool but there's one scene in the Hellfire Gala stuff they did where you see skin at the gala with Sync. And I did a bunch of reading on it. And it was like, oh, no, um, Sync was having trouble, like, 
being brought back after his resurrection. He just like didn't know how to deal. So we resurrected his friend so that he could have <laughs> someone to talk to. Aw, that's sweet. Yeah, but imagine imagine Skin knowing that he was just brought back because not because they thought he was like someone that should be brought back. Yeah. Your friend your friend needs a, a teddy bear. <laughs> like, it's his, well, it's his quality of characterization made them not bother yeah. to bring him back up to that point. It's just yep. fur- furthering the uh the othering and <laughs> lack of humanity brought to his yeah. representation. But yeah. uh yeah, I mean one of my questions always with these runs is like, is this a did you had to be there kind of a thing? And it's been proposed that all all runs are that way. <laughs> like if you were, you know, I 14 could, when this came out, it's better than if you try to read it now. I think I agree with that. Mm-hmm. That like that's kind of how all runs are because I know I know people who are like, oh man, no, my X-Men is like, you know, the when Kitty Pride showed up or you know, whatever. And then some people who are really into it now. Um, so I feel like I was the right age for that for this series. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. yeah. You and I um, both were kind of exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, there's there's a lot of kids today who are like super into Young Avengers. Mm-hmm. Cool. That's their like youth team. And then um, this new Strange Academy book is like, is fun because it's all the kids that, in Marvel who are magic users. And some people love that. So I do think that it's kind of a, I don't know, what is it? Like a, like a circumstance where if you are that age, then it kind of um, helps imprint itself on you a little bit more. Like when you're, when you're a teenager, you don't necessarily have like the verbal vocal kind of like way of stating who you are and what you're about, because you're still kind of figuring that out. And so I think to be able to find a comic series or a pop star or, you know, whatever that you relate to it's easier than for you to be like that one that's me i like that mm-hmm. and so i think if you were someone you're like oh i love x-men and then in school you're like have you seen this generation x comic mm-hmm. <laughs> you know then it, it then it says something about you like see but this doesn't look like x-men but it's cool and there's body horror in it like yeah. it says something different i think i guess i mean i do think some runs are timeless like i think claremont burn x-men is as timeless as it's gonna get with something like, um, I also think representation of teenagers tends to be very dated. Like I was yeah. just getting my niece just turned 16 and I was sending her some stuff to read. And I was like, should I send her ghost world? And I was like, oh. that's actually very, very dated now. Like this is what it, it was is? like when I was oh, a kid. No. I think so. Like ghost world, those characters are like very yeah. much what teenagers were like when I was a teenager, but now like they don't even have, phones you know now they're all like like, what like euphoria yeah i think so i mean i think that's and i think euphoria in 20 years will probably might be a you had to be there or feel like a time capsule so i don't know like these kids even have holograms yeah and i i wonder too like because when i look at these visuals it just looks amazing to me like i just i mean i'm also like we're draw comics so you think about how it's drawn but uh it's also very like early mid 90s vertigo aesthetic so i'd be curious how that holds up to me it holds up terrific but i don't know yeah i don't know but i think that with better characterization these comics would feel more timeless i agree with that i guess yeah because i think going back and rereading it it's like oh i can see how this kind of um these are kind of (laughs) bad these comics (laughs) they look great and they're kind of bad 
So that's my, they're kind of fun to read though. Like, did you enjoy rereading them or did you just feel critical of them? I did enjoy rereading them. I think because I had such a strong tie to them as a teenager, I am always going to like them, but it's interesting to read them now and be able to say, yeah, I really liked these as a teenager. I still kind of like them, but I can see, I can see through it. I can see like what's wrong with it, I guess, in my opinion. I should maybe this podcast, what it needs is like a, a, a capper at the end where I get like a 14 year old to read the run and go, oh. well, how is this for you? But yeah, uh, that would be great. I don't see myself doing that, but that actually could be a cool. Uh, I mean, I teach comics to teenagers that could I can maybe make it's a cool discussion to have. Yeah. It's like, the, you know, I, I remember when I was at, uh, at PNCA, um, a friend of mine, who was also going there was listening to music on his headphones. And he and I were, we entered PNCA a little bit older than some of the other students. Like we were probably 25 and everybody else was like fresh out of high school. Yeah. And some student, a young, like 18 year old was like, what are you listening to? And my friend was like, Oh, the cranberries. And this kid was like the cranberries. And my friend was like, um, some of the music you listen to as a teenager is going to be some of the music you listen to for the rest of your life. Yeah, totally. And I was like, oh, dang, it's like totally true. And they've Mm -hmm. done so many studies, like even studies with the military about how the things that you connected with when you were young are things that you remember more easily if you are someone who has something like dementia or someone Mm -hmm. who, you know. Um, So I do think that there is something to be said for like, I encountered this as a kid. It really hit me and it affected me. It affected the way I write or the way I draw, you know. So I do think it's an interesting discussion to have with students about like, think about some of the things that you're, you know, into right now and think about how it's affecting you or how, you know, it might, it might be something you watch forever. Yeah. I mean, I think one of the goals of this podcast too, is like try to capture that feeling of like, oh, I was this age when I read this, but also to kind of ask like what. I do think there are comics, you know, like Mouse isn't dated. It's not as right. like prevalent as it was. It used to be like the only comic book for adults. And now but it is banned. <laughs> well, you know, yeah. In in one place, you never want to go <laughs> right. banned, which is. Yep. But, uh, but, you know, like Dark Knight Returns, like is very dated, but also you can still show that to anyone now. Yeah. And it would have relatively the same impact there's ways that it's made that are kind of timeless i guess we could think we could also think about this in terms of like the batman movies right Mm -hmm. my favorite batman movie of all time is batman returns oh wow you know and i know kids there who are like you ask a kid like who's batman and they're like oh christopher or the christopher nolan one christopher nolan is batman he's the one uh the christian bale yeah and i'm like that's not batman to me yeah (laughs) you know so there's yeah But, but, but it is to them and that's valid to them but did you enjoy those Christian Bale Batman movies? Um, they're okay. Okay. I, th- I mean, we don't need to get into it. I'll just say this. Um, I don't understand the need to make everything really super dark in its tone mm. and gritty mm-hmm. to the point where you're embarrassed to say the word Catwoman. Mm. Like there's not a dude standing to your left dressed like a bat. Well, I'm you know, I'm I'm really trying to not talk about movies in this podcast. Sure, but yeah, I mean, right. Yeah. But, also, I mean, we just read the most dark and gritty reboot of all time. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Um, I guess I'm just saying that sometimes, you know, like they're doing House of X, Powers of X right now is a total re-envisioning of X-Men. But totally. I I haven't read an X-Men comic in 15, 10 years and I read it and I was like, oh, this is 
pulling me back in. This is really a cool reimagining. I agree. So, I think it's fun what they're doing right now. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, so I, that thing of like, it's not my, you know, that comes up with star Wars a lot to go back to movies. Like it's, it's not that the new star Wars aren't my star Wars. It's that they, that third movie was so bad that it like threw off star Wars as a thing, you know? So yeah. Anyway, to do you have any summaries or final thoughts of this, uh, thing we just read? Um, not really, but I will say that I, I think that I kind of want to keep reading a little bit of generation X to remember, some of the other storylines and, and remember what I liked about it. Yeah. Well, everyone's invited back. I mean, you'd be invited back to do something else, but also people are invited back to continue the run. If you want, if you want to do part two of this, you're invited. Oh, so just let All me right. know if you decide I would, I would read more too. Although yeah. I do think once it's not once, once Chrissy, it's not B, Chrissy yeah. B, we're out, <laughs> but I'm, I'm powering through a few things for this podcast. So I would, I would do it. You can do it. You can yeah. So it. maybe we'll do the next eight or maybe we'll do something else. We'll see. Um, and then my question for you, as it is for all guests at the end, is what would your dream run? Be? If no editorial intervention whatsoever, you can do whatever you want. Um, I think an existing thing, some people go like, oh, well, my independent series is my dream run. But no, no. if like, something that's established, what would you write and or draw with that would be your dream run? I would probably say Gen 13. Huh. Would I you think- write and draw it? No, I, w- I don't draw comics anymore. <laughs> I would just want to write it. Who who would you get to draw it? Oh, geez. I don't know. That's a good question. Um, I didn't think about it that far. Okay. Um, I just like that they were, there were definitely issues of that comic where they were teenagers. You know, they mm. did teenage things that showed them skateboarding. It showed them going to, you know, like um, hanging out like in clubs and stuff like that. It was It was a fun comic for a lot of reasons. It was also, I, I know a lot of people have thoughts about it because of the way some things are in it. I guess that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> but I did enjoy it. And it was also one of the first comics that I read as a teenager that had a character who was um, LGBTQ. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, yeah. So I think that it's, I, what I would want to do is just like, just a reboot, just like, you know, they're teenagers today, whatever. They have the well, same like powers. A, it would be a DC comic now, right? I if, believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I, I just like those characters. I think they're designed like kind of fun and they have fun powers and um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know who I'll get to draw it. <laughs> um, pretty much whenever I work on something, I just assume that, that my friend Claudia Aguirre is going to draw. It. <laughs> there <laughs> so you I'll go. Say her. <laughs> yep. Um, well, I'll, we'll start a petition. I would say. Let's do it. Um, it's interesting. Cause you, mentioned gen 13 and then one other guest who's in the queue is actually tentatively doing gen 13 i other if she doesn't do it i'll actually ask you to come back we'll do gen 13 but what's interesting to me about that is it's uh i always thought of i never really read gen 13 i always just thought it was like a softcore porn comic no uh, it's kind of these kids who were like experimented on that escape yeah, from this I mean, I know what it's about, but like it was like in Wizard Magazine a lot. And I, I it was like the bad girl phase of comics. And I never read any of that stuff. Like there was kind of a couple years there where comics, a lot of popular comics were like very softcore pornish. Uh, yeah. And I always considered Gen 13 to be one of those series. But I get how the premise, there's a lot you could. That is a series that I'm surprised hasn't been rebooted yeah, successfully. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, I'll look forward to the Terry Blaz Gen 13 comic. And <laughs> between now and then, where can I find anything to promote or where can I find you online? Um, I had three books come out last year, uh, late last year. So 
Um, you can end one early this year. You can check out Who Was the Voice of the People, Cesar Chavez. You can check out Lifetime Passes, and you can check out The Trade of Reptile from Marvel. Um, and you can just find me online on Twitter and Instagram at Terry Bless. Right on. Do you have any other Marvel work coming out? Uh, no. <laughs> you know, I look, I don't, I don't know if you want to get into this, but I look at the Marvel, I read these on the Marvel app. And uh, you're very heavily featured on the, uh, you know, we're a, we're a, a co- company that celebrates diversity. And I was like, are they throwing you any work or are they just putting you on their celebrate diversity page? Only they're confirmed or deny <laughs> Any, <laughs> anything. Well, I would like to read more comics by you, Marvel or otherwise, but um, thank you. see what happens. Cool. Well, thanks very much for being here, Terry. It's always very fun to talk to you. You too. Thanks for having me. And with that, we'll bring this episode of The Runs to a close. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about me and my work, my website is ohyesverynice.com. That's O-H-Y-E-S-V-E-R-Y-N-I-C-E.com. Also, I'm working on a comics biography of Muhammad Ali. You can learn more about this project at patreon.com slash ohyesverynice, where you can subscribe to both digital and print Additions. I can also be contacted at ohyesverynice at gmail.com. You can send me episode suggestions for the runs. And if you send me an email saying you heard about it on this podcast, I will send you a free digital copy of one of the chapters of the Ali comic. Home base for this podcast is theruns.blogspot.com, but it can also be downloaded or streamed on all platforms where podcasts are available. All the best ones. Please rate and review the show and share this podcast on social media and more importantly in person thanks so much and see you next time on the runs